you experience blinding headaches after watching yet another 80s horror movie remake? Do you feel a wave of nausea whenever you think about Han shooting second? Do you get the nagging feeling that the movies you grew up with aren't nearly as awesome as you remember? Then, friend, you may suffer from cinematic nostalgia disorder, commonly known as CND. CND? What the hell is CND? Ah, I'm glad you asked. CND is the medical term for an ailment affecting millions of movie lovers the world over. Experts thought for years it was just another fad illness, like restless leg syndrome or AIDS. But after years of research conducted in our very own labs, we've proven not only the existence of CND, but that it's directly responsible for the Star Wars prequels and the resurrection of Sylvester Stallone's career. If you or a loved one is struggling with this misunderstood disorder, there's only one cure. Listening to the Forgotten Flicks podcast every Wednesday. Forgotten Flicks is a podcast dedicated to remembering the movies you grew up with. Join host Joel and Jason. That's us. As they discuss classics. And not so classics. From the 80s and 90s. From the mainstream to the obscure. From the barely remembered to the often quoted. We cover them all. And don't forget, there's also the Six Flicks Picks, where you'll get great movie recommendations, listener feedback, fun and games, and oh so much more. Be sure to check out all the movie-loving goodness at ForgottenFlicks.com, on iTunes, and Facebook. Listeners of the Forgotten Flicks podcast may experience the following side effects. Wanton nostalgia. Trips down memory lane. Geek rage. Rectal hemorrhaging. Cinematic randomness. Profound confusion. Female erectile dysfunction. Tangentitis. Q overload. Paranoia. Theoretic hemotiliosis. Sensing a disturbance in the force. A spastic fascination with Terry O'Quinn's junk. Butt wink. And the sudden urge to watch Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. One more time. Take two. And action. Forgotten Flicks, episode 100. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 1986. What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Uh-huh. Last thing I need at this point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these halls. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed. Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. That is why I have got to catch him this time. To show these kids that the example he sets is a first-class ticket to nowhere. Oh, Ed, you sounded like Dirty Harry just then. Really?
Hi, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks Podcast. I am Joel, joined, as always, by the one and only, the creme de la creme de piece de resistance, Mr. Jason Gomes. Hello, Jason. I did not achieve this position in life by having some snot-nosed punk leave my cheese out in the wind. Indeed. Indeed, your cheese. My cheese in the wind. Uh, no. Uh, we'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. <laughs> of course, this is the 100th episode of Forgotten Flicks. God, it seems like it was just 88 yesterday. Then it, it like, amazing, it, like, seriously, it? like the last episode I felt like was the last episode 88 because it, ah, it wasn't that long ago. But yet eyes by. Yeah. It's and, amazing. you know, what with our hiatus and all and coming back and this whole thing could be completely different. We decided, you know what? F it. This is episode 100. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Horseshoes, hand grenades and forgotten flicks. Yeah, so. that's right. Yep, and forgot. Wait, wait. It's the ADD way of counting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For podcast no, episodes, no, eighty-eight. Oh, f it, one hundred. That's, that's one, two, squirrel. <laughs> oh, that's true. Okay, well, fine. <laughs> I found that offensive. <laughs> so yes, we are here. Uh, we are talking Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It feels like just well, actually, two episodes ago that we did another John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that was probably more of a classic than this one. <laughs> we did Dutch, of course. Yeah, it's hard to, it, you know, I thought about that as we're getting ready to do this movie. Uh, we've done a lot of John Hughes films, but it seems like in our effort to stay away from the most quintessential Hughesian films of the 80s, we've done every other one of his films. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's funny, though? We've done a lot that he was connected to, but... Yeah. So hold on, wait, wait one second. Is this the first one we've done that he directed? Oh gosh. Um, no, Weird Science. Well, weird Science. I was gonna say we did we did Weird Science. Yeah, he directed that one. We we didn't do Sixteen Candles. We didn't do Breakfast Club. Uh, we did Vacation. Did he direct Vacation? Nope, he wrote it. Harold he wrote Harold Ramis okay. directed it. Yeah. Um, he only had like half a dozen or so. No, he had more than that because that was hey, right. We, and we never did Uncle Buck. Damn it. Oh, we never did planes, trains, and automobiles. We talked about that. Yeah, one. we never did. Oh, God. Curly Sue didn't do Curly Sue. What? Oh, oh well, that's yeah, that. No, I guess we are. Com- yeah, we I guess we are coming back in a week. This is the second directorial uh, film uh-huh. of his that we've done. Yes, which is um, interesting because we have to we see Great Outdoors, Vacation. Hmm. Um. What else did we do that he wrote? Dutch, obviously. Yeah. Is that it. Christmas? Did we do Christmas vacation? No, no we, we never. No, just vacation. No. Um, I don't know. I feel Be- like we've done Beethoven's a lot more talking fifth. about. It. Did we do Beethoven's, Beethoven's fifth? Uh, uh, no, we did Beethoven's second. Home right? Alone three. Oh, uh, just visiting. No. Oh no, we didn't do just visiting. No. Career opportunities? <laughs> nope. Should've, oh, should have done that one. Damn it. Uh, um, no, but get then, your um, hand out of your pants. <laughs> great outdoors he was the producer we did that one yeah, he wrote it too did he yeah so 
Yeah, but you know, you can't talk about the 80s without talking about John Hughes. So, well, you can. We thought it, you really could. Whoa, whoa, the following whoa, segment whoa. of Forgotten we'll Flicks will okay, contain fine, information fine, so Jay. pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at Netflix on DVD. We now return you to Forgotten Flicks. Already in progress. And that's a good point, Jason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, it's weird because, you know. Uh, but, but, yeah, the, the people out there, they know all about that. So, anyway. <laughs> the trailer, would you like to listen to it? Hear oh, it? yes. Okay. Yes, heads, yes, up, yes. heads up on this. After editing it down, I believe I got it to just a hair over two minutes. That's editing it down? Yes, because they do the Twist and Shout song for almost a good 30 seconds. Uh, so I kind of yeah. tried to cut it, truncate it, smack it up, flip it, rub it down. You know. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So on that note, let's get a little Ferris Bueller action. Ferris, you're sick. And don't go pushing it and making yourself worse. Uh, maybe you're right, Dad. I know I'm right, pal. How'd you get to be so sweet? They bought it. Well, why should he get to skip school when everybody else has to go? I'm taking the day off. Now get dressed and come on over. Ferris, my father loves his car more than life itself. A man with priorities so far out of whack doesn't deserve such a fine automobile. What are we going to do? The question isn't what are we going to do. The question is what aren't we going to do? He wants. You know, as long as I've known him, everything works for him. Whenever he wants. He's very cool. And he never gets nailed. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss him. You realize if we play by the rules right now, we'd be in gym? <laughs> what is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Ferris Bueller, do you know him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude. Hi, I'm Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. That's me. I can see him denying popular beliefs, setting off on some impossible mission. I did not achieve this position in life by having some snot-nosed punk leave my cheese out in the wind. You want to get married? Central Park in fall. You mean if I wasn't a fool? Sure. Today. He looks back on the ruin his life's become. He is going to remember Edward Rooney. Hey, Dougie. It's dead, Cameron. You killed the car. My best friend has flipped out. I got you, Paris. I think this calls for something bold. I finally got you. Something wet. Oh, he's such a sweetie. They all adore him. Love you, pal. Something wild. <laughs> One man's struggle to take it easy. Hi, I'm Mark Singer.
and you're listening to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. Thank you, Mighty Beastmaster. <laughs> and thank you, Peter. <laughs> so that was Ferris Bueller's Jeff. I lied, Jason. It was actually just a hair over two and a half minutes after editing it. Wow, after editing it. Yeah, yeah. which at least right. at least it had enough going on. It wasn't like a couple of the trailers we play where unless you're watching it, it's just a bunch of sound effects and music and not a whole Yeah, this lot. was just a bunch of lines. And Pretty much. Music. Yeah, well, you had your cheese in the wind line. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that, was, that was good. So you want to get into a synopsis. And being that this is episode 100, I'm sure you're going to make this one count. Um, yes. Believe me, this one counts. Um, for those of you who haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, of course, Matthew Broderick, First off, uh, wait, wait, Jason, 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 Jason. Yeah, yeah. First off, if they haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, what the hell is wrong with you? Now continue, please. <laughs> um, a film from 1986, as we've, we've, we've mentioned. So um, a high school wise guy is determined to have a day off from school, despite of what the principal thinks of that. You know, it's like when you say it <laughs> in such a concise uh, manner yet it speaks volumes as to the layers and the levels of this movie i mean it, it, seriously if that had been on the poster this movie would have done twice the business that it did so i'm quoting directly from mdb um and despite so of what the principal thinks of that despite indeed. of what the principal thinks of that indeed so jeez wow uh it's pretty much the story of Ferris, who is smart and popular and funny, and everything seems to fall in place for him. And the yin to his yang is uh, Cameron, his best friend, played by Alan Ruck, who seems to have everything wrong. Terrible parents. He is a hypochondriac. He is nervous beyond belief. And in the middle is sort of the mellow, calm Sloan, Ferris's girlfriend, played by Mia Sarah, and the three of them basically play the greatest day of hooky in the history of high school. And yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, it, even though none of them are old enough, to, they were older, way older than high school age. So, Actually, Mia Sarah wasn't. Did you know how old she was? She just had graduated yeah. from high school before yeah. they filmed it, yeah. So she was the only one. Which is weird uh, because to me, and growing up watching this movie, she looked like the oldest. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't and, mean that in an insulting way. I mean that like in a sophisticated, hot way. But oh, it makes yeah. it doubly creepy not to watch it because she's like 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because Matthew Broderick was like, he was like 22 when they filmed this. And Alan Ruck was 29. Yeah, yeah. But he had a baby but face. They did. And um, did you watch the extras on the DVD? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So the idea was, or, or part of the reason that Ruck got the part for this was that he and Matthew Broderick were on Broadway together during uh, playing Biloxi Blues. Yeah. And they were supposed to be playing the same age. And so once they saw the two of them together, plus they were already real friends, uh, that kind of made for the chemistry, which mm -hmm. I thought their chemistry was great during this, during the movie. So, yeah. Well, and then um, there was one of the, the bits in the extras where Alan, when they're interviewing Alan Ruck, who played Cameron, mm -hmm. in case for anybody that didn't know it, he talks about that because they had done, you know, that play play together. And I think they had done something. Had they done something else together as well? Yeah, uh, they might have. Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> that their friendship was legitimate, so they didn't have to spend time faking yeah. it. Right. And, right. And, and it's and there was another. Uh, did you catch the thing about the uh, Ferris's parents? 
Yes. <laughs> now, this movie is full of – first of all, I saw this movie – I don't know if I saw it in the theater or right after it came out, but it was right around that time. Um, did you see it in the, in the theaters? No, but I remember walking in to see Back to the Future. I think it was when I, when I saw Back to the Future and seeing the standee, which is, of course, the iconic image of him with his hands behind his head. Yeah, yeah. And I, it came out in 86. I, I don't What month did it come out? Um, in June. It was a summer movie. Okay. So, and and yeah. did, what about Back to the Future? Was that more of a fall? Or did Back to the Future come out in the summer? I think that was a fall. I think that was fall. Okay, because... I, I that's my memory uh, was that going to see Back to the Future or a movie of that ilk. I'm pretty sure it's Back to the Future and seeing the standee. But no, I didn't see it till a couple years later uh, on video. That was when I first saw it. But I remember seeing it and I remember um, uh, uh, just loving the feel and the ride of the movie because it's it's definitely the whole movie is just a ride. You know, it's just to me, it feels like you're just going along with everything that happens. But seeing it now, there's a lot underneath the hood so to speak oh yeah that i had no idea as a kid so you mentioned ferris's parents in uh uh the movie yeah um which were played by um lyman ward yeah uh, played his dad and um cindy gosh, pickett yeah yeah they met for the first time when lyman had actually already been cast for the dad and cindy was in reading for the the part of the the mom and um so they decided that when she got cast that they needed to spend a little time together to get to know each other so that they could have good chemistry on screen and yep. before they even started filming uh they were dating mm -hmm. so <laughs> and then they subsequently got married yes and then they got married and then oh and back to the future came out in july so it was literally a month that uh, a year Almost exactly a year before Ferris Bueller. Yeah, so may maybe it wasn't back to the future. I mean, I guess they could have had a standee for a, a a movie that would be coming out a year later, though I doubt it. Uh, so it must have been a it must have been a different movie. But it was right; it would have been late eighty five, early eighty six. I remember seeing that standee. So Christmas time or something. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, of course, uh, Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Grey. Mm hmm. Uh, so there's there's a lot of well, you know, uh, and Charlie Sheen and Jennifer Grey. What were they in together? Um, oh, come on now. We've mentioned it about a thousand flipping times on this show. Charlie Sheen and Jennifer Grey. See, the thing that's throwing you is Charlie Sheen. Yeah, it is, because I'm thinking Dirty Dancing, of course, was Patrick, her big one. Yeah, that's Patrick Other Sheen. than this. What was a movie she made? What was a movie she made a couple years before this? Oh, 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 Red Dawn. Yep, that's got it. Got it, got it. Yep, Because yep. I keep forgetting he was in that. Yeah. Yep. But he played, yeah, he played the brother character. Yeah, yeah, I got to remember him. Maddie. Come Maddie. on, Maddie. <laughs> God, we never did Red Dawn. We talked about that for like two friggin' years. I know, that's sad. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, and um, so there's a lot behind the scenes, a lot that I never really even knew about um, watching the film the first time. And now that I've seen it again, I've seen it a lot over the years. It hasn't been... I guess it's been at least a year and a half since I've seen it, maybe two years, mm -hmm. but uh, I've seen it a lot over the years. So there wasn't anything shocking or CND in this for me. There was a sequence, though, that I don't remember uh, having the same reaction I did. The entire thing, I really liked. Okay, first of all, it sets up with Ferris pretending to be sick. Mm -hmm. So he goes into that very cool talking to the camera, breaking that fourth wall thing you know mm -hmm. and uh uh talking about how to which seemed 
odd but worked. I'm not knocking it. When he was talking about how to fool your parents that you're sick. Yes. And the text actually appears on the screen. Yeah. That's the only time that happens. Um, and then he's talking to him about, you know, he got he wanted a car, but he got a computer yeah. and he never took lessons in his life. He's playing the clarinet and yeah. then he's dancing in it. So that whole sequence was it was a perfect setup. I really love that part. I wish there was more of that throughout the movie. But um, from there on is really them going and having this wonderful day of hooky where they do these amazing things through Chicago all around the city. And then comes the part at the end when they go to take Cameron's dad's car back to his house. Yeah. That whole, well, actually it was before that. It was right when they got the car back from the garage. So Mm -hmm. they go into Chicago proper. They park Cameron's dad's beautiful 1961 Ferrari. Yeah. uh, uh, In a parking garage. Real real quick, real quick uh, aside. Did you catch how much they said the thing was worth in 1985? Oh, the real? No, no. I did see that they would they, that they didn't use a real yeah, one. Yeah, they couldn't afford the insurance to cover because they said just to, it was Alan Ruck. They're interviewing him, and he said that just to have the phys- the real car on set, sitting still, not using it for anything, it was going to be the insurance was completely cost prohibitive. The car at the time cost three hundred fifty thousand dollars in oh in eighty five, and today oh. it's worth over a million. <laughs> so he said they actually built three little kit cars. Yeah. And that was, and he said, none of, it's a typical movie story. It's sort of like Jaws, you know, Bruce the Shark. None of them worked yeah. uh, the way they yeah. wanted them to. So, junk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you could, you could tell that because there's several points in the movie, not just the, the part where the, the parking attendants take it for a joyride and they like jump the, you know, yeah, the, 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 the Star thing. Wars theme. <laughs> right. Or no, it was, um, it was Star, it was Star Wars. Wars. Superman. Yeah. No, it was it Star Wars? Superman. No, it wasn't. Hundred bucks right here on the table. Uh, no, I don't have hundred bucks. <laughs> you sure? All right. I all right. All right. No, I can't bet a hundred bucks. But anyway, that sequence they slow mo the car jumping over the hill. But even before that, like there's parts where it's Ferris and Sloan and and uh, Cameron are in the car, and he like hits a curb and like jump over a little hill, and I'm the whole time like. Mm. God, they're gonna wreck that car. <laughs> but, <laughs> he said, I think um, he said they built one that was specifically like the stunt car, the drive around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, that when the parking attend, they park the car at the garage. The parking attendants, you know, are yes, of course, we'll take care of it because Ferris tips everybody like a dollar, five dollars, <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll take care of it. And then, of course, they take it off on a joyride. And when they come back. The thing has like 160 miles more on it than it did when they dropped it off. Mm-hmm. And that's when Cameron goes catatonic. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence, especially when they get back to his house, that is like the biggest downer. Of, I mean, it is so such an antithesis to the rest of the movie. I, but see, I don't think it is at all. Actually, I think this movie was probably one of the most mature. I'll just get the cat out of the bag now. I effing love this movie, and it's officially like my favorite Hughes favorite <laughs> Hughes movie. Period. I think this one in Pretty in Pink, even though he only wrote that yeah. one and didn't direct it, but yeah. I think these are two of his most. Even I mean, some people argue, you know, for like planes, trains, and automobiles, or some of the other. But I think these those two 
are there's something in them that's deeply personal and this movie it, it, some of the things i read i'm sure you read them too about this this movie was meant to be a love letter to chicago and it felt like i mean there's certain there he used a lot of the the environment and the landscape and oh, yeah. buildings I mean, he, and they I mean, went to the they went to the chicago museum of art yeah and they were exactly at, at wrigley field see, and even they were then, in he the... still uses all but what i loved about it it wasn't just this you know visual you know love letter tone poem to you know chicago he actually you like the whole thing in the art museum the fact that when cameron is staring at the i believe it's monet right and uh, you know it's one of those impressionist paintings so the closer you get to it the more blurred and the lack of detail and and nothing is clear as to what it is and you know the further back you are the the picture's clear so he, he he cross cuts between cameron in the face of a little child and he keeps and he gets closer and closer and as he gets tighter into Cameron's you know face all the way up to his eyes he gets tight into the monet and just the yeah, symbolism and- of that and the idea that you know the deeper you get into Cameron he has no sense of identity he there's no there's no details to who he is like just that he used that to highlight the character this actually I would make the argument this is Cameron's really? yes this is Cameron's okay, story I took that as that was the creepiest scene <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is one of us attempts to try to pr- approach as marginal with a, a, a modicum I thought of intellectual was interest. At it. Yeah. And the more and the more no. Cameron stared at it, no. the more freaked out he, he got was, because he was, the no. scarier that he little was, kid looked. Because he was – but think about it. What, what is uh, – when Ferris tells us about being – can you imagine being a child in his home? It was like a museum Right. Oh yeah. He yeah, uses yeah, the yeah, museum no metaphor. So the, yeah. it, it, that it, that kid is Cameron. But and the tighter you get into it, it, the lack of detail, the fact that there is no clear identity to the child, the tighter you get in. Well, the closer you get to Cameron, there's no inside. He does. He feels like there. He has no sense of identity because it's all wrapped up in his parents and his life and and all that kind of stuff. That's totally uh, what I took that to mean. And I think this and, movie and is will... Cameron's story. That's this whole movie because Ferris doesn't change. It's like uh, it was the Great Gatsby, right? Isn't that the I can't remember the name of the narrator, but there's no change there. I mean, sorry, not yeah. the, the narrator is the one who changed in Great Gatsby. It's the Great Gatsby, which would be Ferris. You know, he doesn't change. He doesn't. So no, I agree with you. It's I think this movie is much, much more of Cameron's. It, it is Cameron's story. I, yeah. I, I actually I, I was a little impressed with myself because I got to the end of this and I thought. This movie is really about Cameron. Yeah. It's not about Ferris because Ferris is just the unstoppable force. Yep. He is the force that just carries through. He is the current of the river that doesn't stop. That forces and, Cameron to examine and his Cameron life. Cameron yeah. is the one that's trying to step into it and yeah. fight it and yeah. in, get across it. And then at, finally he comes to terms with it and then just goes with the flow. Yeah. So it really isn't about Ferris, although that's the fun part about it. The deeper level is really – it is that it's Cameron's story. Yeah. Well, and I think um, back, to your, back to that scene you found disturbing at the end, which I actually – Not disturbing. Oh, uh, you just well, thought wait. it was a bit of a downer. I mean because it is. Yeah, it, it, just, it just sucked a little energy out well, of the – Well, the, well the, what it is though, he, you know, he has to go through that moment. But it's very similar in Breakfast Club. Do you, I don't know if you remember that movie well enough. Yeah. But the whole yeah. scene when they're sitting around the little honesty circle – and Emilio Estevez has the breakdown about his father and how he's always pushing him. And, and, and Anthony Michael Hall has his breakdown about trying to kill himself. I mean, that, you know, shit gets real in that movie too. And yeah. prior to that, it's completely, you know, has these goofy moments, but that's the thing about Hughes's yeah. early stuff is there's this sense of goofy absurdity and it rides a line between reality and hyper reality, but there's also this pathos and 
care for the characters and a, and a, and a realness to them that, you know, comes out by the end that really, you know, tugs at the heartstrings. Granted, later on, it just became, you know, sentimental pap, but. But, you know, it's interesting is, is um, you saw the interview that John Hughes did right after this film came out. And, you know, he talked about the fact that he was always in that position of that triangle of uh-huh. uh, most of the time, you know, he was the um, Ferris type character. Yeah, with it was him and his girlfriend. His yeah, and then, there and was then the third always, he always had a buddy, a yeah. buddy in the back that was going, hey, where are we going? Yeah. So in this, this whole thing, it felt this movie, I guess more than any other Hughes movie I've seen, felt more like a look into who he was. It was more personal. Yes. Yeah. Than any other. And I mean, now Breakfast Club did get that way because, you know, I could see a lot maybe of, of personal emotions that were put into all those characters in there. Yeah. This had a lot of that, especially in the Cameron stuff, you know, coming to grips in terms with being that person. And um, so there was, you know, it's it's amazing that a movie like this that's typically thought of for its lightheartedness and its fun and, and you know, the, the, the funny sequences, it does have that deeper layer. And I never recognized that or never really saw that um, when I watched it originally, you know, so. Well, and I think the other the, and, and, and enough of us being, you know pseudo-academic douchebags. Um, <laughs> the thing that really holds this movie together is Ed Rooney is played by Jeffrey Jones is, I'll just say it, <laughs> fucking hilarious. That yes, it, I is. forgot how, I mean, I was like, I, he's probably been about maybe, I don't know, seven, six, seven years maybe since I've seen this movie. It's been a while. So there's a part of me, I wasn't worried that I wouldn't like it because I always loved it and I knew it was a really well-made movie. But yeah. there's always that feeling of like, yeah, is it going to be uneven? Is it going to be too familiar? But I mean, there were parts I was laughing out loud, but most of it was the stuff with Rooney. Oh, no doubt. And his, just his facial expressions oh, alone. God. He, that I thought was, um, was, was really hilarious throughout this entire thing. Like his whole interchange with Grace. Oh, uh, you know, he's a righteous dude. <laughs> Grace! And the way yeah. he speaks with her. I, the funniest, probably one of the funniest sequences in this that I was laughing out loud this time. Yeah. Uh, watching it. Which I don't even remember, you know, being this funny last time, but I was cracking up. Is that whole sequence where Ferris sets up that um, Cameron calls oh, and pretends to be Sloan's dad. Yes, yes. And then he starts calling, you know, yeah, sure, you bring the dead broad up here and yeah, I'll yeah, let yeah, her Yeah, yeah, right, because, yeah, they're claiming that in case, you know, in case you're listening, he you haven't seen it. He thinks it's Ferris and, yeah, yeah so he, he starts saying all this stuff, calling him names, and then Grace is like, I have Ferris on the other line. Yes. And he, that sequence, just his facial expressions and his body language and the way he, uh, you know, jumped up from his seat. Just his whole uh, the, the way he carried himself was just hilarious. It was it, that it, whole. Thing. It was, and the fact that it was just the whole because you know he thinks it's um, Sloan, which is that was Sloan, right? That was uh, Ferris's girlfriend. girlfriend yeah. yeah. He at first he thinks he's talking to Sloan's father, and that Sloan's grandmother has died, and then he puts two and two together. Oh wait, Ferris is out. I know he's skipping. This is his girlfriend. This is a scam. And of course, it isn't Ferris. It's actually Cameron pretending to be. Uh, Sloan's father, uh, yeah, courtesy yeah. of Ferris. Mr. Peterson. Yeah, Mr. Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> Rooney, you're an asshole. Pardon <laughs> my French. But you're an asshole. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and, and, and But just I love the, the way they build up to it because as Rooney gets more and more confident that he's right, he's, yeah, he's like, I'll tell you what, dipshit. <laughs> yeah. And well, then, and th- that's when she gets the phone call. It, it just and it's the way they build it because the music's it's like a horror. That's the other yeah. thing. If you notice about, about John Hughes and all of his not all of them, but a lot of his movies, there's this moments where they could be in a horror movie. Like the music. Dude, uh, 
That is absolutely hilarious. Because I will tell you, there's a sequence that the mom, when she comes home in the middle of the day, and Ferris is clearly on the other side of Chicago, and mom comes yeah. home to check on, on Ferris, she starts walking down the hallway, and she goes to reach for the doorknob, and she slowly opens it, turns the knob, and slowly opens the door, and that's when you realize he's got this setup. But that whole buildup, literally, it sounds like the music from Halloween. It's like, Oh, yeah, it's, a, it's like a horror movie. It's a suspense and, sequence. And as I was watching it, my six-year-old, he walks in, and he's like, Dad, what are you watching? Is this a monster movie? Because it was just that scene where she's slowly walking down the hall and the music gets intense and it just kind of – it's like something's going to jump out. Well, and, and you <laughs> know, it's funny because there's – and I think it's a sound argument that horror and yeah. comedy are two sides of the same coin. They both deal with very kind of primal emotions and they yeah. – you know, it's their pure emotion. But looking at a lot of his – like in Christmas Vacation, you have the whole thing with – uh, Clark when he gets the chainsaw and you know cuts the the, the newel post and, <laughs> yeah. and just the look You're on his face to you, Dad. yeah he comes out with the, the hockey mask on when he cuts down the tree you know just you know, yeah. he does that a lot like in our um, great outdoors remember the story that Dan Aykroyd tells the kids uh, about the oh, family yeah, the yeah. cannibal family you know stuff like that and of course the bear the bald-headed bear so he has these things that he does in his scripts yeah. That really are almost a horror movie. I mean, they, they have these little moments. They're moments. They're not like the whole thing, but it's just – I just thought it was funny because um, – what was the original one that before we <laughs> got off track? I don't know how that happened. Uh, <laughs> so it was the her walking down the hall, the Ferris – okay, and it was the – what was the first? No, before that, Ed Rooney um... – Shit! Oh yeah, yeah. When, you, yeah. when Ferris is on the phone, because it's that music that oh kicks yes, in. yes, they built up the music to it. Yeah, but at the same time, you're laughing because Rooney's just being so cocky about it. <laughs> well, and if that's at the point where you really are let in on the joke. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, let on that that Ferris is you know um, <laughs> coordinating this whole thing, and it just it was hilarious. That was the funniest part of the movie for me, and um, I loved it. But Ed Rooney definitely was the most comedic in this i mean even though ferris was fun yeah and matthew broderick you know i'm gonna say this right here i absolutely love matthew broderick i know that there are some movies in between that have been kind of crappy name but... one godzilla <laughs> <laughs> but um i love i love him as an actor i even the movies because i've seen too many of his that are just stellar yeah that i absolutely love and so i blame the crap movies he's been in more on the people that created the movie. Oh, no, he's or, not the reason why. I don't think I could. I cannot think of a single movie that he was in that was crap was because crazy. of him. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, some of my favorite movies of all time. He did Glory, uh, which is fantastic. Um, he was in The Birdcage. He played the son of uh, 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 Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. No, he didn't. Uh, Are you talking about in the uh, movie? Yeah. No, he's not in that. Wasn't he in that? No, you're thinking of the producers. Oh, the producers. That's yeah, right. Yeah, Nathan he was Lane. in. The, he was in the remake of the producer with Nathan that's Lane. Right, that's that's right. what I started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I had that's him okay. and Nathan Lane together because they were <laughs> Close actually really enough. Good. They were really good together. Anyway, he's. I, I think he's. And of course, um, War Games. Um, oh well, yeah, of course. Um, earlier than this, right? This was yeah. That was eighty three. Uh, War Games eighty three. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I will. I will concur with you because not only do I think Matthew Broderick is a fantastic actor. He. he he really they they talk about this in the extras as well, and I agree with a thousand percent. He can get away with the fairest part. Like there's something about him that is so likable and charming and innocent in a way that you don't feel that anything he does is mean spirited. It's manipulative. It's 
it's underhanded and sneaky sometimes, but it's never mean. It's never you. You still like him the whole time. And that's hard to pull off because you pretty much put any other actor of that time period in that role. It doesn't work like you put a guy like Tom Cruise. I mean, think about it. he was in his heyday at that point. If you would put a Tom Cruise in that role, he would have just been too smug and too cocky. It wouldn't. It just yeah. wouldn't have worked. No, he had the boy's charm that made it seem more innocent. Even because you know, one of the things I read was that uh, one of the people that was up for this role potentially, and I don't know how close it came, but maybe it was just on the list. But Michael J. Fox. I mean, uh, and I thought I could know, see it. I could see it. That's the closest I could come to somebody else who could pull this off only because of his role in like the secret of my success. Oh yeah. And back to the future. I think Marty, there was a similar like, yeah, but at least, but, but Marty and back to the future, I think was more of a, I'm like pseudo victim. I mean, he was kind of the nerdy guy, but he never came across as an arrogant ass, but in the secret of my success, he was brilliantly successful and came across a super smart guy, but never came across as an ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Matthew Broderick pulled this off without being a douchebag, which would have been very easy for yeah. a lot of other actors to to do uh, it, it, with that same role, the same character, the same uh, lines. It would have been really easy to to, to pull off. Yeah, so. well, yeah, they has to be they have to be charming in a likable boy next door kind of way, not in yeah. a Tom Cruise as Maverick kind of way. Yes, yes, because that you know. I'll, yeah, because that came across like you know an ass. But. Well, yeah, and, and that and that could have e- Ferris Bueller could have easily turned into that. Just this kind of yeah. cocky, so sure if, of himself. Off. And if that was the case, then you have to knock him down a peg. Exactly. Like you don't want to see happened, him succeed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like what happened in Top Gun yeah. with, with Tom Cruise. Yeah. He got he had to have be knocked yeah. down a peg. But yeah. in this one, you know, that's why it worked because he was never knocked down a peg. You know, he was always kind of perfect. So yeah. Um, do you remember the last uh, movie we covered? That had Matthew Broderick? Uh, give me a second. Wasn't Project X. Although you did mention <laughs> it as a pick. I uh, definitely was not Godzilla. Because hmm. no, that was way back. We covered that one. Yeah. Wasn't the Freshman. Totally underrated movie. Loved, did you ever see the Freshman? Oh, my God. With uh, Brando? Yeah, Brando. And, uh, and uh, I think it was at... Um, who Bruno Kirby from City Slickers? Yeah, yeah. oh my god, Frank I love Whaley. That movie. Oh yeah, which I, and I, I think that. actually isn't Frank Whaley in that? Who was also in Career Opportunities, which you could argue was sort of like if Ferris Bueller had been a complete loser and nobody liked him because that's kind of who the character Frank Whaley played in Career Opportunities. He talked to the camera. He thought he was slick. It's like yeah, Ferris Bueller thought he was really clever and slick, but was actually just an idiot. That would yeah. been. But interesting little connection there between the two. Um, yeah, for some reason, I'm not remembering what the hell the last movie was we covered. With uh, it, uh, it's, uh, uh, give, give me a hint. Don't tell me. Just give me a hint. See if I can okay. um, it was a period piece. Um, uh, he was one of three primary characters. Why am I brain farting on this? Um, uh, it was a Richard Donner film. It also had Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, and- Lady Hawk. That's why I'm brain farting on it. <laughs> oh, God. The best music ever. Oh, God. I literally had completely blocked that. <laughs> I really sort of. That's one that had that really weird, weird music in <laughs> yeah, the back. Yeah, it was know, like the, yeah, the Casio synth. It's, like, yeah. it's so funny you say that because you see them saying Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm like, what the hell? We didn't do like Dangerous Minds or Tequila Sunrise or. 
Rutger Hauer. Yeah, if you had said Rutger Hauer, that would have given it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I but... hated that movie. God, it was boring. <laughs> That's the only movie we have done in all the movies we've done that I literally started to doze off. Aww. I actually like did the head nod. I'm like, oh god, what? You, yeah, I I don't believe that. There's got to be at least six or seven others that you dozed no, off. No, because like Caveman and Garbage Truck Kids and movies like that, they're so horrible. You're just sitting there with your mouth hanging open going, what? Did they just <laughs> yeah. do what? Uh, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there are a couple other things I wanted to talk about related to this movie. Okay. Um, so one is uh, the song you played in the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my, wow. yeah. Okay, I actually bought that that cassette single. Keep talking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of <laughs> kind of a creepy, dirty sounding song when you really listen to it. But that that song actually was in so many different movies. Yeah. It just became like this perfect. It actually became more of a, a song that was played when like a hot chick walked by. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they like played the song. It, it, but, wait, wait, it was it was to later 1980s, early 90s movies. What the bullet effect from the Matrix was to oh. action films yeah. of the early 2000s and into the 2000s. That's true. Um, but it was by Bantam Yellow. And so I wanted to um, – <clears throat> these are the lyrics of the entire song. I'm not including the – you know, whatever yeah. mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The moon, beautiful. The sun, even more beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good time. <laughs> <laughs> good Good time time those are the only spoken words in the entire tongue tongo right song tongue zug 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 song long lana so oh yeah song oh yeah song tonga tonga say when he zug zug lana i'm laughing more now than when we watched that movie <laughs> I can see that. that think about the way. Think about the beat. Boom, out, out. Dust the hips. So, uh-huh. out. Yeah. But that <laughs> song actually went on to be in so many other clips. Even if it was just in like trailers oh, yeah. or, yep. mo- I mean, movies. This was really one of the first it was in. It was, uh, but it was everywhere after that. It was, it was literally it was everywhere. Yep. Um, it's kind of like something I've noticed recently. If you watch uh, trailers, let's say just from this year. And watch either uh, uh, action or horror, generally, those. Yeah. Um, it seems like at the end of every single one of those, there's that sound that <clears throat> from like Skrillex, you know, that sound that every Skrillex song has that. What the hell is Skrillex? <laughs> oh, you're old, man. I have uh, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I take pride in the fact that I am modern day <laughs> pop culture ignorant i'm ignorant and i love it because whenever i've tapped you know put my toe into the current pop culture waters i get some kind of horrible parasite that crawls up my leg and plants itself in my ass and gives me hemorrhoids and scabies you get scurvy from it you kiss today in your infernal music (laughs) 
So it's um it's an electronic, you know, it's kind of a techno. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing what oh, John. Whatever. I call it noise. It's noise, <laughs> damn it. Um, but it's got this cool sound to it, but all the songs sound the same. But it's, it's got where that it kind, kind of, of wait, kind of builds like a and it kind of makes that she kind of kind of comes together at the end. Is that what you're talking about? Like that. Like it's that same sound, like I was watching I was watching trailers the other day, just current trailers that are coming out now. Uh, for the past year, and I'm watching them just one after the other, after the other, after the other, and I'm 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 thinking, God, they're all playing like the same sound. See, that's weird. I would think you would be thinking like, God damn, I need to get a life. <laughs> this is like four or five thoughts down the road. Okay, you know? okay, okay. Right on past that one. Okay. And a couple shots of whiskey. Okay. And you're saying I'm watching one after the and other. And after I stop weeping, yeah. then, yeah. Four, um, four and a half dozen trailers in. <laughs> yes, exactly. Six hours of my life was gone. Oh, my God. I have no one. Um, yeah, so anyway, I just recall that after this, that song was in all kinds of trailers. and, and uh, Oh, and then, like, uh, was it like the um, – wasn't it Die Hard? I gave me one of the songs in Die Hard uh, is played out in a bunch of different. Well, and we the uh, remember RoboCop, they put the, the Terminator music on the trailer. Oh, no, yes. In the trailer. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, he's kind of a Robo Terminator thing. So while we're talking music. Yeah. Um, so when Ferris goes out to the German parade all right yes actual german parade it makes sense yeah. and he's kind of cool yeah. when he starts singing Dankeschön. by the way that song how many people hummed or sang that that song in that in that movie did you catch it oh ed, yes ed rooney does yeah, it his dad does it at one point yeah i think his dad does it under his breath and then um a genie jennifer gray's character when she's going out of the prison you can hear her off camera do it Oh, that's right. That's right. She was kind of going down the steps yep. and saying, yeah. Yep. Um, and he was singing it. Ferris was singing it in the shower. Yes. In the beginning. And then he actually sings it at the end. And so that, that was kind of cool. It made sense with the, uh, with the parade because you see the banners, you see that it's a big German parade and it's a real parade in Chicagoland. Um, but how does twist and shout suddenly come into You know play? why? You know why, Jason? Because <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> it's a fun song. Clearly, because everybody in the entire city sat looks like they've never heard that song before, and they're all like, oh my god, this is amazing. Oh, I've got to dance to this. <laughs> well, yeah, they've never heard a song that they're perfectly choreographed to. Well, <laughs> and I think the thing is that whole sequence of like John Hughes, I remember reading a long time ago that Breakfast Club, the movie we got is not the movie he originally intended. The movie he intended, quite frankly, was weird. Like really like really weird like almost abstract avant-garde like he was going to have musical numbers and the same kind of thing like if you think about ferris bueller plays for the most part i mean it gets absurd in the comedy but yeah there's this this vein of reality that goes through yeah. it to your point about cameron at the end right so it always kind of feels real grounded in reality but then you have this big musical number which literally there are like suddenly like this group of Michael Jackson choreographed dancers. I've actually sure, yeah, it did have like almost like a thriller vibe the way they were. Yes, yeah, moving they kind there. of all come out and they they do this kind of dance. And actually, one of the step moves they do where they go back up the steps. Yeah, when they're doing like their their big wide uh, stance up the steps, that's from like Thriller. Yeah, so that's what yeah reminded me of that. 
they're all doing that. And I'm like, I don't remember this scene. <laughs> Actually, but see, to me, that whole sequence is what's great about the movie in general is it just puts yeah. a smile on your face because – yeah, like what you said earlier, feel... it's just part of the journey and just like it's fun and it feels like everybody's just everybody's loose, everybody's free, everybody's having a good time. Ferris yeah. represents freedom. That, at the end of the day, that's what fr- Cameron represents those poor bastard cube monkeys out there. You know who you are. And he's just shut up. Whatever, man. Talking about myself. And I need more whiskey. <laughs> more trailers and whiskey. <laughs> And Cameron, he's, and whiskey he's that guy. He's trapped, well right? Together, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they really do. <laughs> Especially if the trailers are in totally different language, or if the trailers are in a park and say on oh, Cinderblocks. Gotcha, <laughs> zinger, <laughs> bazinga. So, yo, Cameron is trapped, right? He is the yeah. antithesis to freedom. He's a ball of anxiety. He's in prison. He's, he's yeah, in prison. He's yes, he's totally. emotionally and mentally in prison. Yes, yes. and Ferris. Is uh, there was another thing they talked about was the idea that Ferris is the id. Ferris is Cameron's id. He needs to come out. In fact, you, ooh, yeah. wait a minute. What if? What if? I think I've made this argument for a totally different movie before. What was the other movie I made this argument? Ferris and Simone aren't real. Oh, Matrix. Yeah. No, 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 um, no, no, no. It wasn't the Matrix. It was a totally different movie. I remember make, trying to make the argument that somebody was somebody else's like id or ego or something. I was getting like. So this is like Fight Club-ish? Yeah, kind of like that. Like, they Cameron, they represent for Cameron. What There's he, split personalities it, yes. that he can never reach. Think about it. Simone is this maternal, warm love that he doesn't have, right? He doesn't have yep. that. And, yep. and, and Ferris is that side of him that wants to break free. That yeah. wants to think about it. He's sick, right? He's pretending to be sick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm going to write a paper on it and have it rejected. <laughs> Although, you know, um, you bring up a point about Simone or Sloan. Yeah. Uh, Simone. Oh, yeah. You know what? Simone, wait, wait. Simone was Buffy. Uh, Christy Swanson with her look. That's candy. right. Was, she was yeah, Simone. Was, Sloan was, yeah, Sloan was his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, so Simone was uh, uh, Christy Swanson, which was in the best Buffy, which was the movie, not that stupid TV show that came out later. Just so, so we're clear, folks, I rest my case. I don't even have to say what I'm resting my case for. Seriously. <laughs> I, really? <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say. Um, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, you really don't. <laughs> No, but okay. So uh, I I remember vaguely feeling this when I saw it the first time, and and watching it now, I was kind of trying to be a little more sensitive to it to see if it was really still there. And I thought, um, in the first one, I remember feeling like Cameron was trying to kind of muscle in on Sloane. There was, not I think really, he's attracted to her, but I don't think it's like he, he would never. No, no, I, I not not like that. I guess maybe not muscle in that he had the hots for her, and that she kind of i don't want to say leading him on because that sounds like she was doing something but she was kind of flirty with him even to the point of wait a second did you see me changing in front of you and he's like but you know what there was but to me that whole scene though it played okay because it was he's like a kid you know what it's like he's emotionally like a 12 year old boy and she's the older babysitter who of course is not like attracted to him in any way shape or form but knows he caught a peek and thinks it's sweet and isn't like isn't being like patronizing to him about yeah, except, it except except they're all three 
friends and the same age. And I mean, it'd be funny if he well, was like, but if it, uh, well, like wait, but, wait, if he uh, was uh, that uh, little boy, it proves my point. It proves my point though. If she's part of his, his unconscious, <laughs> it makes perfect damn sense now, doesn't it? And, and why he was Ferris looking would, at himself and no, was he was looking at himself. Jesus, don't be so literal. <laughs> no, but that would explain why Ferris just kind of sits there with a smile on his face, a knowing smile. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're checking my girlfriend out. I know. Yeah. I tapped that, Cameron. What you going to do now, fool? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Ferris. Yeah, yeah Cameron. That's exactly Cameron. what was going through Ferris Bueller's mind. Yeah, Cam- that was Cam- the- Cameron. Cameron, you get to look at the goods. I get to handle the merchandise. <laughs> he just turns into like the biggest douchebag. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> hey, Cameron, let's get you a hooker. And then we'll dump the body behind your dad's house and frame him for it. <laughs> Actually, a hooker would have been okay in this movie, I think. Oh, like the if hookers from Dutch. Found, if they'd found like this kind e- of E.G. Daly from from Dutch. Um. Yeah, and she'd kind of you know helped him. They never really did anything, you know. They they cuddled. He talked. He got it out. And she's like, "You're gonna be okay, kid." And she wanders off to die of AIDS, and he <laughs> has this awakening. Oh, Jesus. And that would have worked. That would have totally worked. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I was just, I was, the best part was about the that. restless bit. leg syndrome. You know, yeah, something yeah, exactly. like that. We should, we should <laughs> totally put that promo at the beginning of this since we never did play it. Oh, uh, my God. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> So, um, so, we so, should. We, the we the really, reason why really that should. really made me laugh too, besides <laughs> your joke about a horrible disease, um, <laughs> w- w- was was the fact that I was totally going to build up with that. Yeah, Jay, that sounds like a great idea because that scene hasn't been done a gazillion times until you left. You added that little part at the end. I was like, ah, oh, there's the twist. <laughs> <laughs> it's precious. With <laughs> musical numbers. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Oh God, that movie. No, you got to put our little commercial at the end of the episode. Oh, I will. Because we, yeah. the promo we, okay, we never for those actually. Those who don't know, yes. Since this is our last forgotten flicks episode, which, by the way, folks, we have come up with some cool ideas. We're definitely coming back. Yeah, with but some... just let's let the cat out of the bag. It ain't gonna be called Forgotten Flicks. It might be Forgotten Flicks presents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but this yeah. show as it as it is is going to be uh, vastly changed. But it's still going to be Joel and I having fun. But so you can unsubscribe so anyway. So <laughs> it's, it's fun for us. So, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> But there's so many things we have tried over the last two years. Literally, it is almost two years to the day yeah. that you and I started this thing. Wow. Um, that you and I did our first episode together. It was like uh, – It was Tron. And, uh, it was it December was, 22nd, wasn't it? it was, I was going to say it was like the 22nd yeah. of December. So it was almost – Yeah, let's completely forget the one, that, the 10-minute one that came out before that where I attempted to do a little 10-minute well, intro your, by myself. That was your intro, so that's when Forgotten Flicks was born. Yeah, well, but yeah, but, but here's I, the thing. I would like to forget it because I actually <laughs> listened to it about uh, maybe eight, nine months ago, and it's cringeworthy. It is <laughs> It is really like um, – <laughs> It's not that bad. Oh my god! What a douche. <laughs> but there's so many things that have never seen the light of day over the course of those two years that you and I have put. I mean, literally, we have every for a long time, every week, and every other week. So every month of the last two years, we've done many things. Yep. For the podcast and the website, and some of them just you know fizzled out. And one of those is this promo <laughs> that we did. 
because we decided at one point we we're going to do commercials and we were going to send our promo out to other podcasts yep. and other podcasts run it. So we were going to be funny and and snarky and yep. <laughs> like we are. <laughs> like our one star review said we were. <laughs> <laughs> like our one star review, our single one star review. And um, we worked for God. It was like two months. Oh, it was crazy. Coming up with a promo. Yeah. Because we went back and forth and back and forth, yep. and we, we finally came up with this one that we thought was great. And thank God for uh, uh, was it Tawana? Oh yeah, that actually put yep. together a, a decent one. Yeah, she actually took she took the time. The thing that neither of us was going to do, she actually went back into our archives, which at that time was you know not eighty something episodes, but it was like well, how many episodes we had at that point? Twenty or thirty? Somewhere in that uh, range, right? Thirty. Yeah, I see. It was thirty at least. Yeah. yeah. So she went, took the time to go back and find some clips, and she put them together, and to some music, and it, it worked great. I mean, it was fantastic, and uh, we ended up using we, that. We summarily killed ours. Yeah. So. Well, and we also did it uh, under the advisement of a certain uh, elder statesman <laughs> in the podcasting <laughs> arena, uh, Kevin Batchelder, who admitted while funny. Some people at the time, because we were, had this crazy idea, we were trying to like build it on. He's like, "F that," um, <laughs> and he made a very valid argument, which was, "Yeah, some people might not find that joke funny." Yeah, so <laughs> we won't give it all away because we will. We'll play it. We'll play it uh, at the end here. I'll, I'll add it in in post. Uh, I don't, <laughs> but let's just say we did it as if it was a commercial. Um, for we we took the idea that CND was a disease and we were the cure. We were the medicine you would take, right? Yeah, because we were trying to be a, like a a drug commercial, yeah, like Cialis or Viagra, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's my AIDS joke. <laughs> <laughs> there is a special place in hell. <laughs> So, uh, Jason, on that note, would you like to uh, get into some uh, movie picks? <laughs> yes, please. Let's get let's pick another movie. <laughs> okay, Jason. Uh, what? Yes. In the hell is your pick? <laughs> so, uh, I I did not pick low hanging fruit in this uh, because I thought there's plenty of people. Is that, is in- that a movie title? Yeah. Uh, low hanging fruit. Uh, okay. That's a porn movie. Okay. Um, Whoa! It's, it's, it's giant gonads, you know. But but but, but he has an an acorn of a pecker, and <laughs> but he's got these grapefruit sized gonads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he paints. He paints. He he paints eyes on his gonads. <laughs> and they they call him one hung low. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell is wrong with us? <laughs> We're grown damn men. Oh, God, you wouldn't know it. You anyway. said duty. <laughs> yeah, he said duty. Oh. Uh, yeah, so anyway, what's so, your pick? No, there, was plenty, there were plenty of people in this that actually um, uh, we could have picked, including, I don't know if you caught this, do you see who the flower delivery guy was? Louis Anderson. Yeah. <clears throat> so he was, you know, he was, uh, uh, had... His time in the limelight. We could have picked Ben Stein. Of course. I, I'm really proud Hitler. of us because we have – see, I was trying to go the whole episode without doing that. Sorry. Because it's such I a, it's such it a gimme. It's such a like – talk about low-hanging fruit. It's totally Bueller. No, but my favorite is actually the whole sequence he does when he's talking about 
the history. Yeah, that was great. Did you did you catch that? That was all improvised. No, was it really? Oh, no, that's yeah, one thing I do want to touch on before we because I would this would have been one of those I would have been remiss. <laughs> Finally, I got it in every episode. Uh, <clears throat> I would have been remiss to not mention this, but there's a, quite a few improv things in this movie, and that's what makes it I think feel so real at times. Uh, yeah. When Cameron does the "Hey, bada bada bada, so wing bada he can it he can," that was totally improvised. He said, well, really? Yeah, John Hughes would sit, after they did the scene the way he wrote it, he would sit off camera and say, "Okay, let's try some different stuff," you know, and. Uh, Alan Ruck, it, yeah. yeah, Alan Ruck, play with it. It's not that kind of movie, Jay. <laughs> Alan Ruck would say, you know, oh, well, the kids in my neighborhood would say this at baseball. Okay, do that, and now you two together, and it, so it's all improvised. Well, yeah. a lot of the scenes with Grace and Ed Rooney, which is is funny because apparently uh, Edie McClure, who played Grace, said that she comes from an improv background, and yeah. whereas Jeffrey Jones is very much a script you know, theatrically trained kind of actor. So yeah. that whole scene that you said you really loved where they're going, Grace, and they're back and forth. She, yeah. they, that was all, they made up all that. It was all in one oh. take. It was all one take. And they wanted that sense of just complete chaos and anarchy. And he was apparently very, she said that tension you see in him is totally real because he had no idea what she was going to do. And so she, oh. he said, so what do we do? And she's like, oh, just play a game. And she called it like give and take where he would go for things that she would do the exact opposite. So if you really pay attention to the choreography of it, she every time he does something, she kind of like he hands her the phone, she pulls her hand away, so it drops. Oh you know, yeah, every yeah. little thing, and it's like really cool. So, so all she, that yeah, was, she does great. I mean, the the, uh, the whole scene where she pretends to be him on the phone. Oh, and, that, yeah, that was it. Yeah, she said uh, she made up all right. that up. Yeah, she <laughs> totally. And well, she also said the righteous dude is what got her the 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 part because she added that on. She the, that scene was the scene she came in to read for. And she, had, ah. you know, he, she said she decided that it was somebody in, you know, they're Illinois, but she had a lot of families in Wisconsin, which is next door. And they, you know, righteous dude. So she added that in and that told they did a gap and they added it into the script. So they liked it so much. But mm. but uh, back to the original improvised part uh, that yeah, I yeah. was originally going to say, um, which now is completely escaping me. <laughs> the hay batter batter. The, and uh, the, no, it was no. Hot cha cha. <laughs> the the hot cha cha ben stein yes yes yeah, yes the history thing so yeah. he talked about that he still calls it the greatest day of his life it was one of the first movies he'd ever been in he wasn't an actor and they did it in one take and what it was is originally he was just going to be off camera saying bueller like you were never going to see him and he did it and everybody started to laugh so hughes decided well we need to do some more with this guy and he had been a you know professor he taught economics and all this kind of stuff and they said okay so what's something you oh, know yeah. yeah what's something you just know off the top of your head you could talk about so he said that whole scene everything he's talking about is just something he knows the great depression and the economics of uh, yeah and, and and the, the tariff act yeah. and did it work anyone did yeah, it yeah, did yeah. it work and he said no, what's hilarious is people no. love that scene so much and he thought at first, it's because of what he was talking about was so interesting. <laughs> he, he said because people would tell me, "Oh, they love this." Yeah, I think he's like, "Oh, because of the you know the the about the subject of." Because to him, he goes, "I find that fascinating," <laughs> and so, <laughs> but he improvised the whole scene in one take. Oh my god! But the way the way they cut the scene was was perfect because oh, it's great with all those kids and the reactions. And the kids are all just deadpan and yeah, they're drooling all on the table. And, yeah, yeah, that's mm -hmm. great. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, yeah, you were you saying know, no. I was, <laughs> I was saying there are plenty of people in this that we could have taken off of uh, uh, tangents of um, actor-wise, because there were plenty of people that in this movie weren't really um, 
there were some big ones in this. I mean, Matthew Broderick had done a couple of things, but he only been acting for, you know, like five years um, to this point, you know. Um, but I decided to go with the DP. Oh, I almost did. Did you really? Yep. Talk Fujimoto. And now wait, which did, is, wait, wait, wait. Didn't you say one of your picks was going to be 91? Yes. I know which one it was. Um, it is. Uh, my other one, actually, my, my 19, I was going to pick one from 1990. I was actually going to do one, um, with, uh, uh, um, uh, Alan Ruck because he was in Young Guns 2. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> he was in Young Guns 2. Yeah, that's and right. So I was going to pick that, but no, I went with Talk Fujimoto because it's so amazing to look at the other films that he's so well known for. Yeah. Are all much darker. I mean, he was yeah. in. I mean, he did um, uh, Science of the Lambs, yep. Sixth Sense, Signs. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh. So he's done, you know, and he's done a lot. I mean, he's, that's not all, but those are some of his biggest movies. He did um, um, Cocoon mm-hmm. and The Return. He did Married to the Mob. You know, so he's done a lot of different things. He was a, he did Gladiator as the DP. Um. But I actually chose. Silence of the Lambs. Yep, I, dude, that's hilarious. That was my number two pick that I was going to pick. Is that what you're going to do? Yep. I and and not because it has anything to do with the theme of Ferris Bueller, but um, I love the the shots in the Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah, I it's really well shot. It's a beautiful the movie. way they play. It, yes, and and the way that they do things. And even now, when I watch Ferris Bueller, there were definitely things in it that I didn't notice as a kid. That now, of course, watching friggin' how many hundreds of movies we've watched for this podcast. And for the website, you catch little things now. So like the scene at the end where Cameron's sort of having his epiphany and he's saying, yeah, I'll be all right. I never noticed. There's actually a very slow close up Uh that zooms. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that kind of adds to it, you know. But um, even in like Silence of the Lambs, some of the stuff they did in that, um, I know it's not it wasn't it's not that cutting edge now and it's not that big of a deal. But I love the infrared scene or the IR scene when well, yeah and, and I I would argue that that scene also is the editing I mean it's that is, that is without giving anything away because that to me if you haven't seen Silence of the Lamb that I don't care how many times I've seen that movie dude that sequence just puts my sphincter in knots it is but that yeah I won't give anything away about the movie for Silence of the Lambs anyway for those of you who haven't seen it, it's 1991 uh, it's a Jonathan Demme film it's it stars um, Jodie Foster uh, uh, and um, um, Sir God. Anthony Hopkins. No, and I know Anthony Hopkins, but who was the guy that played um, Buffalo Bill? Oh, oh, you mean James? Go- oh, it, it it puts <laughs> the lotion in the basket. Exactly, exactly. Yes, yeah, Sir oh, Anthony crap. Hopkins is plays. Uh, what was the guy's Black- name? I can't remember his name. He played uh, James Gum. Was the was that his real name? That was the that was Buffalo Bill's real I mean, name. Uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, yeah, Buffalo I Bill. The guy, I can't remember the actor's name either. I don't remember. Anyway, um, so but there's a sequence in the movie in which Jodie Foster, who plays an FBI agent, um, she is in a dark room. Oh yeah, and there is no light, like zero light, like it's been blacked out. The windows are blacked out. Everything, uh-huh. but the camera is point of view from the bad guy. Uh huh. And it is literally that green light you yeah, see. Yeah, he's, like got night, he's, got night, he's got night vision goggles on. Exactly. Yeah. That whole sequence where yeah. he's kind of there, she doesn't know if he's there. Dude, that Did part, it? wait, wait, that part, because she, she's like blind. And she's literally reaching out and you see his hand. 
like yes, going near her yes, face because yes. oh Dude, that shot is probably for me that entire movie the best shot of that movie is or the the film sequence you know of, of the camera is yeah. that sequence there and it was just fantastic so i i thought that there was some great stuff ferris bueller was pretty typical of a comedy film it wasn't a lot of uh, out of the box type stuff but um i just think he's a great dp and uh, oh yeah he is um so i picked that one just because i love that sequence and wanted to you know, point that out. But there's plenty of other stuff he's done. Look him up on IMDb. It's um, uh, he's got a, a long list of a ton. But it's Tak Fujimoto uh, is a name. He did a great job. So that's my pick. My uh, 1991. So what did you end up going with if you didn't go with this one? Well, mine was yours was a thriller. Mine was a horror film. Now I will say this first off out of the bag. I'm pretty sure I picked this one. A long time ago. This is a C&D <laughs> special. It is, you know, use whatever you want to say. C&D, guilty pleasure. I don't give a crap. <laughs> it has a soft spot in my heart. I can remember going to the drive-in and seeing it. It is 1992 Sleepwalkers. Stephen King Sleepwalkers. Did I ever use this as a pick? If I did, it was probably real early on. Oh. Uh, probably yeah. back when we were doing, like, the six picks thing. That's probably what I did. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you did it as a primary, but, yeah, you, you, you've done it, so. Yeah. But it's still, it's been so long. Go ahead. Yeah. And it, it's, I, I have it, I have it on DVD, but I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah. It's got a soft spot. It has cameos at the yin yang. In the very beginning, Mark Hamill plays a cop. Uh, King yep. has a cameo. Clyde Barker has a cameo. Joe Dante, John Landis, Toby Hooper, all have cameos. It, it's uh, actually, I don't know if he's done any, he did Storm of the Century. Did you ever see Storm of the Century that Stephen King wrote? It was a screen. It was a TV miniseries. It had, uh, um, was it Tim Daly, the guy from Wings? Yeah, yeah, he played the the main character in Wings. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was in uh, it. It was a. It took place in a main town. It kind of touched on the whole. Um, uh, remember the story from the was it the 1600s? The Croatan, the fa- the the village basically that of of pioneers that came to the the new world and they when they came and found them they were all gone except the word croatin had been carved oh, right into, right they disappeared yeah and, it's connected yeah. to that that whole idea and this, oh gotcha okay yeah. so but that was one of king's like a he wrote that as a as a teleplay but there was no based on no book which was a big deal but sleepwalkers if i'm not mistaken was his first time he ever wrote a screenplay that had nothing to do with a previous work it was original in really? and of itself yeah so there was no book to this that, no to no short story nothing Oh. Yeah, and it's got like your typical. Steve, yeah, well, it is good. And, and look, I'm not even trying to defend it. It's not. It, it. I have no doubt in my mind. It's a horrible movie. There, there was a review that somebody did online where they were like just snarky about it, but it was hilarious. Like I was the way they were going because the way they were pointing stuff out of how just illogical and dumb it was. You're like, yeah, that's a good point, man. Plus, it has yeah. this really strong vein of like incest that runs through it. I was going to say, isn't this the movie when it's about the mom yes. and her grown son? Yes. Yeah. They're like these cat people. Yo, and yeah, they in like a, yeah. In a nutshell, they make out. Yes. And... Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, 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 Brian Krause, who was <laughs> on Charmed and some other stuff, and Alice yeah. Kreese, who's a well-known actress, are mother and son. And they also happen to be these creatures called sleepwalkers. And you don't, I mean, you know, there's something up with them, but. The idea is that he's this good-looking young kid. He is supposed to find a virgin that he can take her life force and feed it to his mother. And there are, I guess, one of the ways they feed each other is by bumping uglies. Uh And and I really really can't explain why I have a soft spot for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. The the two things I remember from this movie 
are uh, mom and son kissing. Gross me out. Yeah. Oh, and then and, wait, wait. And the cutaway from to their bedroom window and like the sparks flying, literally like the lights going because they're. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that part. No. And the, grunt, <laughs> and the grunting as they're like lizard. I probably had left the room at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, the part, the other part I remember was at one point the cop is chasing him yeah. down this like deserted country highway. Yeah. And he actually has the ability to change the car. Yes. Like it morphs into a completely different muscle car. Well, and- that was the problem that the point guy made on the re- made in the review was this movie came out in 92. So a year after T2. And so they was saying when that morphing technology was new. Remember the black and white video, Michael yeah. Jackson with Macaulay Culkin, and they did the facial thing. So yep. the sleepwalkers are able to do that. And we like when the cop pulls up, and for some reason, inexplicably, the cop has a cat named Clovis that he keeps with him all the time. <laughs> and yes. when Clovis is see, and, and, and cats are the sleepwalkers, one and only, they're their kryptonite. They know them. They can see them they for who they really them. are. They, they can, can kill, kill them. them. Yes. So he sees the well, cat and his sense. face his face shifts like multiple times. And then later on, as you learn to your to what you said, he can turn his I think it's at first it's like a firebird into like a, a red. It's like a blue firebird, like 80s model yeah, firebird, it's into like a, red a, Mustang like a 60s something. red yeah. Mustang. Yeah, now, I don't really know how exactly his ability to shape shift himself transfers over to a car <laughs> but you know hey whatever we'll give him that but Majin Amik I guess how you pronounce her name plays Tanya Robertson <laughs> you know what I'm saying um, yeah I don't really know what I'm saying no and she yeah, yeah you know Hottie from McCodville and but she's the quote-unquote virgin that he's going after which yeah looking at her and it's the 90s yeah I buy that so <clears throat> high school and yeah yeah, right. yeah okay so <laughs> <laughs> kind of like we said that girl that's in uh glee with yeah. the oh yeah Lee, yeah, Lee, yeah, Lee, yeah, Lee, right. michelle yeah, yeah yeah right guys just shun her yeah <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah right. boy she's just yeah nobody'd want to talk to her give me a break <laughs> so she she because she becomes brian cross's character uh charles she becomes his sort of uh, point of uh prey and and the movie has all sorts of great cheesy effects i mean it's ron perlman's in it uh like they the he sticks a Brian Cross's character, Charles, sticks a pencil into a cop's ear and the cop falls down and like, you know, like on, on it and like goes up into his brain and he goes, cop kebab. You know, oh, God. <laughs> and, and, and at one point, uh, the mother takes an ear of corn and stabs a sheriff's deputy in his back and it kills him. And he falls forward and just camera slowly pushes in on her. And she goes, no, de- no vegetables, no dessert. You know, so it's one of those kind of movies. <laughs> oh my god, I've forgotten those parts. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't. But all that aside, the reason why I picked it, and it's kind of a cool connection, the people that play Mister and Missus Robertson, Tanya's parents, are one Cindy Pickett and Lyman Ward, Ferris Bueller's parents. Ow. Are her parents after Ferris Bueller and after they got married? Did they just yep sign on? As they only came as a pair, as a pair and parents. Yep, I one get one for pretty much, pretty much. Yep. Wow. Yep. So That's I thought that one. that was a pretty cool little uh, connective tissue because I I think it was borderline low hanging fruit because I went the actor route. Yeah, but you picked some good ones. You didn't go with like no. uh you know no a big name. You, yeah, you but for some, some reason and I don't know what it is. Mick Garris like Critters two. Sleepwalkers and uh, Psycho 4 with um, Elliot from E.T., Henry Thomas playing Norman Bates uh, and Anthony Perkins as well. 
I have a soft. I don't know why I have a soft spot. Anyway, and he also did uh, the Shining TV movie, which you know what? I don't give a crap what you say. I thought it was pretty damn good. And the Stand, the Stand TV movie was pretty good. I have a thing yeah. for Stephen King stuff, especially in the early '90s. Like even the bad stuff, like Graveyard Shift. But that's when like Misery came out, and obviously Pet Cemetery. And they were all. It seemed like I mean, every. Did you ever read his stuff too? I think we've talked about this. Yes, before. Pet Cemetery, Misery, Tommy Knockers. I mean, there was a handful. It I could never get through because it scared me too bad. <laughs> I need to read it but now. That but. was the only thing I liked his movie because I went on a whole. He went on a a bender there of, of movies oh, that yeah. were out. Well, the I early eighties, like the early eighties was like a huge period, right? Because you had like Cujo and and, yeah. and, and all the only fire starters. Dropped off for me was when they hit Lawnmower Man. Oh that's yeah, like, but see, that's another one I saw at the same drive-in, and I have like a soft spot for that POS too. And I know it's actually, a piece of crap. From what, I, from what I hear, that deviated so much from his original story that he sued to have his name yes, taken he off. He did. Of it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Um, but no, there was a whole glut, but the only thing I ever had a problem with, with Stephen King movies was that I felt like the books, and I know you can't translate a book perfectly. And I, I understand all that. I get it. But the books to me were so much better, mm-hmm. but I still love the stories. And so I love the movies, but this one always felt really off to me, but what, maybe what, that's what it was. Oh it yeah. Seabarkers is way off. Yeah. 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 It, 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 because there was an actual book to it. But. Well, and, and I think that, you know, it just, it's, it's weird because. During that time, you'd have the A list of like the Misery or Pet Cemetery, and then yeah. you, and then you'd also have stuff like Sleepwalkers and Graveyard Shift. But yet, I still love those two. I loved all that stuff. Wait, wait. So, are you saying Sleepwalkers was an alimony film? <laughs> I think that is a safe bet. But it is. <laughs> so an... says our buddy Lance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, are you name dropping, Jay? Are you? <laughs> Are you? I should have had my damn thing queued up so I could have gone. Oh, shit. That's an awful fucking image. Why did I come up with that shit? <laughs> <laughs> that never gets old. By the way, we will that be carrying never... that one with us no matter where we go. I'm. That is my ringtone from now on, my friend. That yeah. is my ringtone. Well, we, we, the next <laughs> podcast we do will all be about like spiritual awakening and finding <laughs> your, your inner whatever. And we'll play this. Oh, shit. That's an awful fucking image. Why did I come up with that shit? <laughs> <laughs> It won't, it won't it won't get old so jay uh, would you like to um hit the folks with some knowledge uh not really uh <laughs> no no uh no <laughs> okay yes so uh over the next couple of weeks uh slash months really only about probably about the next two months max yeah um, we'll, we'll be we, uh, we intend to be back by when march now march, part of march we, i don't know but march yeah we tend to be back in March. Um, we've actually already started planning out some things we want to do. So we will still carry on with the Forgotten Flicks website. Uh, we will still keep all of these shows there. We'll still have all the content we've had there. Um, and most likely, whatever we come up with next, will still run through that website. So you can find us there at Forgotten Flicks with an X. Um, and you can find us there. I will still maintain my Flick Sidekick uh, Twitter account, as yep. Joel will maintain his Forgotten Flicks Twitter account. So we can always find us there. Mm-hmm. Um and then we will keep the Forgotten Flicks fan page, um, just for anybody who wants to go back and archive. But we'll probably create a new fan page for the new show, mm-hmm. just to keep it uh, keep it fresh and, and have a new face on it. But um, you can always still email us at Forgotten Flicks or uh, Joel at ForgottenFlicks.com or Jason at ForgottenFlicks.com. Uh, we still check those because we we want to be wanted. Um, yeah. So we want you, you to want me or yes, him or whatever. Uh, but check the website and the Facebook page and our Twitter and all of that mess because we will be doing a Mad Blitz uh, announcing our new show coming up. 
uh, probably towards the end of February, we'll start uh, putting out buzz and where you can find it and what we're doing. And join us there because it will be more, uh, I, I dare say, more shenanigans than yeah. if you're into uh, the vo- if you're into the ADD variety hour aspect you'll like it and and mm-hmm. of course you'll obviously have the movie angle and all that kind of stuff but uh, sure but it, I think it, we're I think the, the the thing we can let on is it's definitely going to broaden our ability to talk about more things yes which is something uh, we really want to do especially with new Star Wars movies coming up I've been like literally getting itchy to go down that road <laughs> so and the, and the other thing is I do want to say is do not unsubscribe. Because while we may change and use a different feed eventually for the new one, we, we, we've talked about uh, putting out a couple of little quick, like little micro update kind of uh, episodes. Oh. oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. In the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll put out some little shorts, especially as it gets closer towards February. <laughs> um, we'll put something out on the Forgotten Flicks feed. Yeah, just to let you know what we're doing and maybe giving it look for feedback and, and things of that nature. Yep, definitely. So, uh, so stay tuned. Uh, uh, stay tuned at least for a little bit, a little while longer. Um, and we got that. So with and, that, and and and, and uh, I also want to say, of course, thank you to JV. JV uh, no, shut that. up! Shut up! Wait, hold shut on. Up. I'm, I'm not, I haven't forgotten the other thing you think I forgot. No, no, shut up! What? There's a couple other things I want to say. Oh dear God! Yeah. Uh, so there have been some fantastic human beings who have helped us out in this past two years. Yes. When you and I started, uh, literally, we were both scared shitless, had no idea what we were going to do, and thought this is a dumb idea. But we were going to do it because. We were both chicken shits and never done anything like this. Yeah, we needed to sack up, homie. Uh, we did. And the best thing for me over this past two years, besides the fact that I feel like this has just been, uh, you know, every Thursday night that we or Tuesday night we sit down to do this, that it's uh, just sitting and bullshitting with you about movies, is the people we've met. Yep. And I want to point out just a couple of people. I know we thank some people every show, but there are some people I want to point out that I'm absolutely grateful for this entire time for the support. Lorraine, who has uh, been with us for a very long time and um, has has done some fantastic stuff for us. Tawana uh, has been a huge supporter of yep. us. Uh, Red K Queen on, on Twitter. She is um, one of my favorite people, just fantastic person. Um, Dave Becker from DVD Infatuation, who a uh, big fan of ours, but we are much bigger fans of his and what he's able to do. Um, Gail, uh, Maggie, and... Uh, uh, Kevin Batchelder, you already mentioned, uh, they have all been really, you and I have talked so many times about the fact that if nothing else, if we feel like we're just talking to those like seven or eight people, that's, that would be fine for us. If we had no other listeners, just those seven or eight, uh, they're so engaging and been so supportive and, and so positive that, that they've kept us going. So yeah. Um, even though, you know, we do have hundreds of downloads per episode, you guys are really our core. And I just wanted to say personally, uh, from Joel and I to you guys, thank you for everything this past year. It's been a friggin' blast. And, yep. you know, I can't, I can't say enough. So and, you know, and honestly, and to, to kind of extend that on, you know, uh, even people that weren't necessarily directly involved with the podcast, but helped with the site, you know, Dave, oh, yeah. uh, Dave Umbra. I mean, I know, I know you're not trying to leave anybody out. I just, I, I kind of, my, my only fear ever of going down the road of naming people. <laughs> It's like, no, I'm going to freaking forget, forget somebody. somebody. But yeah, like Dave uh, Umbricht and, and just yeah. uh, you mentioned Dave Becker. Obviously, all the other people who've come. I mean, oh, for Christ's sakes, Daryl. I mean, you know, uh, T- Daryl Taylor. Uh, you know, he's yep. done, you know, been on several of our shows with us. Um, uh, Dayton Ward, who, oh, yeah. uh, you know, has contributed, but also been a fan of ours uh, throughout. And he's a friggin' Star Trek author. Yeah. Um, 
Mr. Famous. So yeah. well, and then um, and I don't know if I should use real names just because you know they go by certain monikers on on Twitter. But like uh, the 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 two, the two uh, Australian Bens from uh, <laughs> uh, you know yeah. and, and, and the the uh, the Puma Man. Uh, you know, I, I mean, just awesome people. And God damn it, I know I'm forgetting people in this country. Oh, uh, the 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 video boy uh, guy, uh, Phil, um, the guy's a guy named Phil, who's you know email been very supportive. I mean, just yeah, I mean, tons of people I've gotten. You know, there was a the oh Chrissy, there it is. Recently, the girl who emailed us from Ireland. Damn it. <laughs> this is where hold on, this is where this is where I insert the canned. Okay, there I said her name, and because <laughs> I'm gonna go back and get the email. Uh, and, but but yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody, and of course, everybody, no, it, it's been fantastic. And then there's a, there's a couple of people uh, who have been not only who've become not only uh, uh, great contributors and helping us out, but have become fantastic friends and people that we are. Uh, I am personally just happy to have part of my life. Kevin Spencer, um, Peter, who has become such an amazing person, an amazing friend for us, and literally lives thousands of miles away in the great northern reaches of of Sweden, which I guess technically is in the southern part of Sweden, but that's still pretty friggin' north. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and JV, those guys have just continually given us and given yeah. us and given us stuff for the show and for the site. For for nothing. Yeah, and and and, and in and in and also I and I know you've mentioned it. You know, you did. I think you did say Kevin Batchelder too. But for me yep, personally, absolutely. like Kevin, all those guys and and all and and yep. all the ladies, because I know yep. there's at least you know two of you that, that like this. And, <laughs> there's you know, three or four. But like yeah, like all all the, all the all the tech when I was learning how to do this stuff and and uh, you know you know, I, I, Batchelder is a bit like my Obi Wan Kenobi. He, he really is my. I think he's more your Qui-Gon because oh. not so stable. Uh, yeah, but so Qui-Gon didn't make it past any really crappy Phantom Menace. Of course, then that means he also didn't have to see the other ones. So there was that. <laughs> yes, thank you to all of them. Anybody we forgot, you know we love you, and I apologize. And Jason's a bastard for going down that road. So, But, but speaking <laughs> of Peter, for those of you that have been listening since the beginning, we have to think back to when we did feedback, Okay. And all yeah, these we wonder- had a call in line. Do you remember that? Yeah, way, way <laughs> back when. Yes. Call in line. Yep, yep. And Tom, fan, fanboy Tom, and, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and of course Doug. You know, I, I see this. What see? See, you open Pandora's box now. So every time somebody, <laughs> yeah, Doug. Yeah, yeah. And of course Jason Piles. Defixer um, <laughs> Defixer's yeah, no, hideout. Yes, yes. Damn it. Yeah, Defixer's <laughs> like one of the first ones uh, yeah. that, that that showed us support. So. Al Osborne. Damn, damn, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> this will never end. What about your buddy that came to when we did the uh, the the, uh, the Pariacon? Terry, Terry. Oh came. yeah, duh, yeah. Terry, he's even he's contributed to the site, of, of course. Yes. God, I, got I can't believe you forgot him. Oh, what and actually, oh, wait, 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 wait. Jay, Terry also just started a podcast with a friend of his called 78th and Hard Drive. Ha <laughs> got it in. There we go. So it's on iTunes, 78th and Hard Drive. Get a listen. Give it five stars. Even if you don't listen, give it five stars. Nice. Yes, it's all about music and movies and stuff. So. <laughs> He's a super cool so guy. Speaking of Peter, back and, to the and of course, of thanks our... for Bex and Jake for coming to Priacon with and also Terry, so that we didn't feel like complete losers. There were three people there that didn't heckle us. And yes, Jake yeah. is this massive Counting mountain them. of a man who could have killed people, and he's terrifying to look at. So, yeah, that was, was like we had a bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to have feedback line. Yes, we did. Um, uh, we used to have a feedback line and, and have people call in and that was all kinds of fun, but, but, but a blast from, blast from, yeah, yeah. But a blast from the past. Yeah. I believe we have a call from Peter. 
Are you ready? <laughs> yes. The, by the way, the crunchy I, I noise. I haven't heard this. <laughs> yeah. The crunchy noise you hear is him walking through snow. <laughs> In Sweden. In Sweden, yes. Hey guys, it's Peter. Guess where I am? Eh, wrong answer. I'm not on the balcony. I was last year's news. Come on. But I am outside. It is freezing. I mean, it's freezing. There's, uh, I don't know, five, six inches of snow. There's frost on the trees, which is beautiful. There's frost in my beard, maybe not as beautiful. But uh, it's a great evening, beautiful, very still. So I had to go for a walk, of course. And uh, want to take the opportunity to to thank you. Thanks for a great view, guys. Thanks for letting me be on board. Thanks for sharing all the shenanigans on that great site. And also thank you to the listeners, of course, for well listening to us and coming back every week or fortnight. Damn you. And uh, it's this time of year, so Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. And a Happy New Year. Take care, you guys. And your families. And to the listeners. And I'm out. It's cold. Bye bye. It's Peter. Bye. Thank you, Peter. Jason's crying right now. And. <laughs> And of course, he's right. Thank you to the listeners. Any anybody out there, whether you're you've been there since the beginning, whether you've just recently found us, you know, if, if you're in the future when you find it, it is unbelievably humbling to think that anybody, and kind of scary, that anybody would want to sit there <laughs> and listen to us prattle on for this is going to be <laughs> about an hour and a half uh, uh, about just every fortnight. Crap. Yeah, every fortnight. <laughs> I love that he used Fortnite. And then, of course, uh, uh, back to my original before I got interrupted. Um, thank you to JV for his wonderful spoilers at jvmail.com and Kevin Spencer at inkspatters.com because he does the awesome show art that you've uh, seen uh, on, on multiple episodes going all the way back to the 30s. Was it 37-ish? I think it was, yeah, it was our very first yeah. Cookie Flicks Fest. Yep, that he started with us. So, so yep. thank you for all that stuff. And uh, I guess on that note, Jay, any final words? Ah, yeah. For those of you who are going to miss us, I have a suggestion. Go back to episode one and start listening again, because you start now, you still won't be done by the time we're back with our next show.